Lewis Hamilton is a seven-time world champion and sealed it in some style. The record has been matched. What a new dawn for F1, guys. What did we think? Um, and how are we? So I don't think it's going too far to say, or certainly for me, that was the best race of the hybrid era. Um, it, it was absolutely phenomenal. It really kept me on the edge of my seat. And a lot of the time, these races that have been lauded as, oh, wow, that's an amazing race, like Monza this year, for example. Mm. I know everyone loved it. I kind of found like, well, it was just a lot of artificial and odd circumstances. It was just really nice to see a different front runners, wasn't it? That's what was fantastic about that race. But a lot of these kind of awesome moments have just been all artificial. Safety cars coming out for no reason, then getting a bit of wacky races. <laughs> but there was no safety car in this race. It was just a proper edgier seat, not knowing who would win. At one point, I thought it was one person, then the next, then the next, then the next. I think Keith put it really well in the chat when he's like, kind of five or six people could have won it. And at any point you didn't really know what was going on. And I really agree with that. So yeah, amazing race. I actually wanted to talk about that first. Secondly, obviously it's amazing Lewis matching the seven world titles. We knew it was going to happen. Maybe we'll do a big celebration if he gets eight and beats the record. But I think with world, uh, world titles, uh, you know, matching that record, I never thought that would happen. Um, it's so quite incredible as well. Like, so soon and i actually wonder if f long f, f long f1 is going to go on long enough for that record to be matched <laughs> let alone beaten again um, but yeah absolutely phenomenal achievement and done in such style you know some of the championships lewis has sealed have always been sort of like i was in mexico and he actually has a bit of a dull race or he has a bad race he crosses the line in seventh and goes i'm world champion and it's kind of like well that wasn't the best race to do it but hey what better way to seal it than a race like that where at one point he was over a pit stop behind the leader and spun twice and, and still went off, didn't spin, went off twice and still managed to win. So. <laughs> that Impressive. was his teammate. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we can come on to that. Yeah, yeah that was it, the best race that I've seen in a long time that was non-attritional. I think we still had something like 16 drivers yep. finish the race. Mm -hmm. Nobody really you know, lost a huge amount of body work. Uh, nobody traded a hell of a lot of paint. It was just, it was so exciting that I tend to write notes during all the Grand Prix for this podcast. I just stopped. I was just watching the race. I said, I can't, you know, I was writing way too much because it's just so much was going on and there was so much counter strategy. And eventually I was like, I can't keep up. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy it. So yeah, thoroughly brilliant race. It almost buried the lead of Lewis becoming a world champion. I think we already knew that he was going to become world champion. It's only a matter of when. So this Lewis's colossal achievement almost became secondary to how much just how enjoyable that race was. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it wasn't just the race, but just the entire weekend, right? You know, like they turned up, you know, this, this you know, hallowed, legendary turn eight um, turkey track uh, but unfortunately, it got relayed a bit too late, so it was slippery. Lewis was complaining about, you know, the surface. We saw a lot of offs in practice one, especially. Um, and it was just on your edge of your seat throughout the whole weekend because we were like, okay, Max could have this because the Mercs just can't put the power down. They keep sliding off. But then <laughs> Stroll ends up on pole, and you're like, this is a glitch in the matrix. What's happened? So... It's like for me, I would think like not just the race, but just the whole weekend. Like this is yeah, like one of the best weekends in Formula One. And then to top it all off, uh, which we can talk into more discussion between um, practice Friday and qualifying, they got people to drive around on the circuit to put some 
to basically dry up and put some rubber down and then it rained anyway so <laughs> doing that definitely did absolutely nothing yeah, i know Normal road cars that video going at like 30 miles an hour i'm like that's literally doing nothing like don't bother <laughs> like just seeing that video on twitter i was like yeah. what is good like 2020 right like just keeps on keeps I get on delivering going. Go down to downtown Istanbul, get the local boy racer brigade and go, right, do some burnouts down this. Use yeah. it as a drag strip. Do what you want. <laughs> uh, maybe that would have Drift done something. Like just, yeah. just, just, just get all of the drifters and just make them put down some rubber. But anyway, um, news. Uh, let's talk about the 2021 calendar first because I feel that's more important and then we can go into everything else in a bit. So um, big news dropped uh, during the week, the 2021 calendar has been confirmed, uh, which I will go through now, and then basically we can just talk about each a little bit. Yeah, does that sound good? Sounds good. So, 21st of March, Australia, Melbourne. Um, hopefully, it'll be good. Uh, I feel it'll be the race which never was for for kind of this year. The fact that we were so close and yeah, it, it just never happened. So, and it is a good like track i do like it so but unfortunately it's not the most entertaining i feel yeah i mean for me it's the most overrated track on the calendar i actually can't stand the, the track oh, really? <laughs> yeah i don't know why i don't know why i've got such a thing about it but i just really it's always dull and it's always a disappointment because you've waited all summer but what is important is the australian fans are amazing you've got yeah. daniel ricardo kind of i feel the same as catalonia it's a real it's a track that just i don't know why it's just it doesn't produce great racing um it, it never delivers a good race but it's got awesome fans and you need to have races at least in those countries um and there is something isn't there is a bit of a tradition waking up at stupid o'clock and uh watching a race so yeah it's a i suppose it's the kind of normal start now isn't it yeah i mean to me albert park is just that excitement of the new season it, it the race is sort of secondary to the just immense joy of seeing the new cars, the new teams, new drivers, new everything's just got this air of fresh and new and exciting. And I used to have a tradition where I'd just make this, I'd stay up all night drinking pots of coffee, playing video games, and then make this <laughs> disgusting. Then I'd make these disgusting like bacon egg sausage sandwiches, just like full fry up in a in a sandwich, and I just sit in front of the Grand Prix with like two of them, just you know, with yolk going down my arm watching the Grand Prix and after, you know, then like going to sleep at eight in the morning because I was just either drunk, completely off my bin on coffee, full of grease. And it's like, yes, the new season's back. So that's, you know, this race is secondary. I think the last good Australian Grand Prix I can remember was 2009, but it doesn't matter yeah, because it's just all about it. Yeah. It's just yeah. all about it being new and exciting. So that's to me is, yeah. And you know, when it wasn't Australia, when it was Bahrain, it didn't feel the same. Yeah. No, like, like for me, it's such a beautiful part of the earth as well. Like the shots which they get there, like, oh, it's just, and, and yeah. But anyway, um, 28th of March, Bahrain. Uh, we will be going there in week after next, aren't we, for that NASCAR oval circuit, which I'm looking forward to. Um, but this will be the normal track. Um, it's not my favourite. It never has been, never will be. Um, I mean, I always think Jewel in the Desert 2014. And actually, desert. it usually... It does usually produce all right races. I have kind of other reasons why I would rather we just didn't race in Bahrain. But um, 
it's it, I, yeah it's all right it's a good track it'll produce some good races i mean if, i imagine if we go through and go into all of these in depth we're going to be here all day right but um, yeah i think i think this will be i think maybe we'll scan as, through yeah scan pick through. out some good ones um, okay, so I'll just read them out and then we can just go on. So, eleventh uh, of April, China, Shanghai. Um, oh, this is one which we can talk about. Twenty uh, fifth of April to be decided. What, what do we think is going to get it? I'm hoping Turkey. They're saying yeah. it's between Turkey and Malaysia. I actually really like Sepang um, because it can sometimes have a monsoon, and that's just amazing. Yeah. Um, again, but that's a track as well, which I like. That people people don't really like that track. I think it's produced some good races. Actually, um, I really would hope Turkey over Sepanglo because if that circus, uh, I want to see a dry race in Turkey. Um, or to see as we had such a good race this weekend, but I'd love to see a dry race there. That turn eight needs to be seen flat out, and I want to see what these cars can do. The surface was so bad, the cars were like 10 seconds off pole from yeah. 2011 in P1 and like three seconds off in P2. And these cars tend to be like anywhere up to 10 seconds quicker than 2011. So, yeah, um, that surface, if, if it has a bit more time to bed in. And the oils to come up to the surface, scrubbed up, uh, get some other series on there. It could be good. I'd love to see that track back. Uh, Keith, you. So which tracks do you think will get it? Uh, whoever promises to resurface their track as soon as possible will probably get it. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> fair enough. Um, 9th of May, uh, Spain. Um, 23rd of May, which is usually our MCM weekend, uh, is Monaco. Uh, 6th of June, Azerbaijan. Yep. Uh, 6th of June, um, Azerbaijan. Uh, 13th of June, Canada. Uh, 27th of June, France. Um, the Castelletti, if I've said that correct, probably not. Uh, 4th of July, Austria. 18th of July, United Kingdom. Woo! Uh, thank God that's still there. Um, 1st of August, Hungary, Budapest. 29th of August, Belgium, Spa. 5th of September, Netherlands, 12th of September, Italy, 26th of September, Russia, 3rd of October, Singapore. Oh, can't wait. Um, I hope they keep the black livery because I want to see it under those nights and the lights, and, but I know they won't. And it's just, oh. You might anyway. get to see it in Bahrain, but it's not quite the same. I know, it's just not the same. Like Because just in the black livery, it's just going to look Blade Runner as anything, isn't it? With that, like, Tron. Yeah. Anyway. Um, 10th of October, Japan. Whoop, whoop. Uh, 24th of October, USA, 30th, 31st of October, Mexico, 14th of November, Brazil, Sao Paulo. So this you is know. a big one. They haven't gone ahead with that stupid idea of literally just destroying no need. a beautiful part of the earth for no a racetrack. Um, I do want to talk about this for a second, actually, a little bit, because I read a really good comment on Reddit and basically said that this was a very typical Eccleston... Um, sort of forcing of the hand where Eccleston would sort of threaten to move the race somewhere else and then all of the license fee holders and whatever or whatever track originally have it would then be like oh no 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 and then they would basically force to then sell the race at a much more low price or just not cost as much um and so when you think about that it actually makes a lot more sense um because I mean oh like building a whole new track would have cost billions like it's just ridiculous well it's mad how f1 works because basically the track pays for the right to have f1 there yeah and then they get to keep the ticket prices i believe that's how it works yeah, yeah. so and that's that's mad i mean that's why to go to the silverstone now when i when i started going it was like and this was a lot it was 200 quid for a weekend and then 50 quid for your camping and now it's like 400 quid for your ticket uh for a weekend and like 100 quid for your camping it's yeah. just 500 quid now for a weekend which is 
it's mad really um and that's because they're trying to recoup the millions they've spent to get f1 there in the first place yeah so but anyway thank you f1 for not being stupid um however uh (laughs) however um 28th of november saudi arabia saudi arabia jeddah uh which is one which yeah um do you guys want to talk about that now I mean, I don't think there's much to say. I suppose we try and keep that out of the cast. But uh, for me, it's just, you know, you say your race is won and then you go there. But I'm not going to comment on it. Fair enough. Um, Saudi Arabia, Jeddah, which will be a night race, um, street race. So again, kind of looking forward to the way that will look um, on camera. I think we'll get some amazing shots. With a focus on overtaking somehow. And I hope you've seen the promo image that came out. And it actually came out for it a couple of years ago. And it's got like a Prost... A 92 Ferrari, a Stewart, and then like a 2012 Ferrari or so. It's got like four of the most random cars photoshopped in going down a road, like a, this road, and then a load of people like cheering in the background. It's the worst Photoshop ever. Check it out if you haven't no, seen I'm it. Seen uh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's awful. Um, and then, as always, uh, 5th of December, Abu Dhabi. Um, the one thing which I will say about this calendar is... It's good that they've been able to get so many places, especially Asia, because uh, and the US. Um, and just also, this seems like quite a long season going into de- December as well. Usually it ends before then. It's 23 races, isn't it? Or something like yeah. that. So it's, it's too yeah. long. And it's Circuit of the Americas on there. Uh, USA, yeah. Good. Be... Well, that's good. But also I would say is that I think it's too long for a, ra- a season that's kind of a holding pen right yes yeah. it's, it's an interim season it's like having i don't really know how to describe it it's like having an off season but the off season is longer than the full season if you see what i mean yeah. it's like i don't know almost you wanted the short season to be 2021 i i feel that it's too long there are some blinders on there some really mm. exciting races but there's also a few you just think oh really um and yeah we don't need 23 races in the season that's too much no and the other thing which i do want to comment on is there are a triple header in there uh one of the mechanics from mclaren was a bit miffed um he tweeted you know after this year f1 told us that you know they would never do a triple header again and <laughs> well sorry guys Aren't there several triple headers in it? Like it wasn't yeah, a thing yeah. and now there's loads. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And so he's, so a lot of the uh, mechanics and the staff at least, because things, what a lot of people realise is a lot of the racing car drivers, they have that week off. I mean, you see, you know, mm. Lando Norris streaming during the week and then he flies off, you know, on a, you know, Wednesday um, off to the track. But the engineers, mechanics, they're, they're on the road. Like this is, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like being in the army a bit, I feel. Yeah, like it you're just like being the military. Yeah, so um, I do feel for them. You know, I would. You know, yes, they get paid very well. Yes, it's an amazing job. But you know, I mean, these guys have wives, husbands, you know, kids, houses, parents they want to see, which they just can't. You know, for literally two thirds of the year, mm. um, and you know, for that other third of the year, they're then back. You know, at the plant working on the new parts, and they get Christmas off. So, you know. Um, I, I do feel that does need to be addressed. I think we, we need to stop these triple headers. Mm. You know, also, I'm happy I mean, to wait a week. The more races you have, the less special each one gets, in yeah. my opinion. And I think the reason this season has felt, felt quite special is because we felt like we shouldn't have even had it. Mm. We feel, I feel like we shouldn't have even had it and we got it and that felt amazing. Like that first race back in Austria was like, wow, 
F1's back. This is amazing. And just, yeah, anyway, probably enough on the calendar. There's, there's enough good stuff to be there. There'll be some great races, as always. Uh, Keith, anything from you before we move on? Uh, just to mirror the fact that I think 23 is too many, uh, especially because they're going to have a very truncated winter this year. I mean, but usually the season would be pretty much over by now. We've still got three more races to go. They're going to be running on fumes. You know, they've, they've got to have a, a winter break of some description. They're not going to get it. Uh, and they're going to be back racing, you know, within th three months. It's, it's a very, very tough ask. And they shouldn't be doing triple headers. And, you know, there's 23 races, one of which TBC. I would be more than happy if they scraped off Saudi Arabia, they scraped off uh, To Be Confirmed, and they scraped off Monaco. But that's just my personal preference on Monaco. Uh, they don't need 23. 20 is the magic number. And I think even Christian Horner came out this weekend and said, look, you know, you could maybe add a, if you wanted to run as completely ragged, you could cap us out at 25, but everyone wants 20. 23 is just a bit too much. Yeah. Um, so moving on. Um, so we talked about the slippery track service and why that is. Uh, one thing which I did add on here last minute, because um, I forgot. Um, synthetic fuels have seemed to enter into the conversation, I found. Um, over the weekend, I think it was Trum Chandok um, talking with Ted Kravitz uh, on Sky about, you know, these new alternative fuels. Um, just want to touch on this for a bit, because what's come out today um, is uh, in the UK, they want to bring forward um, no internal combustion um, engine cars only, so hybrids will still be allowed, to be sold. Originally was 2035, that's now being brought forward to 2030, so the world is moving, the world is changing. Um, just want to kind of hear your thoughts on that, especially, you know, with the whole Honda, Red Bulls, you know, issue going on and stuff like that as well. Um, yeah, why not? I mean, cars are going electric though. So mm. I don't, I don't, I think it's interesting, but cars are going electric at the end of the day. It's like, why don't we use hydrogen? That's fine. Cars are going electric. So um, it's pretty hard to, F1's always been able to kind of set trends for the future, even if it was things like just flappy paddle gearboxes or use of aero, way engine and architecture set. Uh, traction control, that sort of stuff. It's going to be harder for it to be, you know, it'll become less and less relevant. Um, I suppose using biofuels as a way to keep it a bit more relevant because I suppose that's a switch that most road cars could make and would be kind of a short term fix. But I feel in the long term, it, cars are going electric. So it, it's really hard to know now if F1 wants to go down the road of being historic and just going oh, well it doesn't matter if we're relevant or or trying something and i think at least they're trying something with the kind of biofuel front i didn't really read much into it i did hear it being mentioned um but yeah i'm not i'm not entirely sure what that would bring but i suppose they should try all of these kind of green alternatives to see what they they can do to sort of neutralize their footprint yeah was it, i think it was they said 2026 they wanted to try and introduce synthetic fuels but yeah. I, I also read that I think that like the actual races only represents like 3% of all of F1's carbon footprint. You know, it's actually all the motorhomes, the haulage, the parts. You know, there's a huge amount of pollution that's generated by F1 that is not the racing. I think they're focusing a little too hard on, you know, they're polishing the deck chairs on the Titanic on this one. They need to actually <laughs> have a look at, please have a look at electric electronic motorhomes and things of that nature. Now that would be really difficult to get any sort of battery that could power a motorhome down the street. Yeah. Uh, but it's a step in the right direction. I think they're trying to go for full carbon neutrality by 2050, which yeah. is, I think, a realistic goal. 
uh, and you know, it, you're either at the tip of the sword and at the forefront of this technology, or you're lagging behind. And if F1 wants to be seen as the pinnacle of its sport, it needs to try and push these things in the right direction. So fair play. Yeah, agreed. Um, so with that, let's get into qualifying. Uh, usually we skip over qualifying, but this was, whew, uh, this was a good one. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think where, where to even start with this one because it was such a manic uh, qualifying. But um, sh should we just start out with sort of, you know, who surprised you, who impressed you, who do you think, you know, wasn't up for it and then kind of leave from there? Um, I mean, sure. I mean, I think we know what the surprise was, was seeing yeah. Lance Stroll on pole. Yeah. And then, and then obviously all of the media getting to go stroll pole stroll pole and being so happy about it and it's like well done um but um all jokes aside it was it was really odd to see that happen it was a really unusual session and for for a season where this is probably the most dominant car Merck have had they've had it the least their way in a lot of aspects and it's been them although things have been really predictable in some ways it then swings over to being really unpredictable. And it all seems to come down to the same thing about tire temperatures. And at least tires are in such a tiny, tiny narrow window. And it seems Merck have cottoned onto that sooner than anyone else. And it's probably a big part of why their car is just so good is that it's, it's phenomenal with the way it uses its tires. Apart from this weekend where it really wasn't. Um, and it was just, I mean, if you told me last week that Lewis Hamilton was going to be five and a half seconds off pole, I'd go, Right, so what happens? He has an electrical failure and he does one lap and then goes into the pits and that's that? Or I just can't imagine any scenario where that happens. Yet he was on merit, on pace, five seconds off pole. He was like half a tenth quicker than Kimmy. Um, Lance, <laughs> what planet are we on where Lance Stroll's out qualifying Lewis Hamilton five seconds? He's beating Max Verstappen to pole. Um, it was amazing. So who impressed me? Obviously Stroll did. Um, you know, you say what you want about him. That was a fantastic lap. When it mattered, he's the one who did a great lap. Ricardo impressed me coming P5. I don't think the Renault set well for those conditions. So it was just a Banzai mega lap. Great work. Um, I think he did really good. And Alpha, both the Alphas, Gio and Kimi, yeah. great job. And it was really good to see them up there and a bit buoyed by it. And I, I, I really liked them both being in Q3 and that was a great performance. So they were up for it. Weakness. Um, I mean, those conditions, obviously, you know, Lewis, the Rainmaster, he's the one who makes it happen. I mean, the car, the Merc wasn't up to it, was it? But he still felt a little bit out of colour. When it really mattered, he was ahead of Bottas. But earlier session, he wasn't looking good. So I'd say that was obviously surprising. Um, I want to say Max, but no, he was actually dominating the whole session. I think Red Bull oh, switched to the Inters. Um, otherwise, he would have been on pole, I think. You could see how much that hurt him. It must hurt. <laughs> uh, and your, your favourite image. But yeah, so for me, that, that was who, what really stood out. And, and obviously, Alpha Tari they were looking good in practice, but they, they were anonymous pretty much all weekend from qualifying. Yeah. I, uh, before I get into this, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to much like my tattoo rant. I just want to get onto a point here. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I'm just going to introduce okay. something in, in a very me style. Anytime that there's changeable conditions or slippery surfaces, can everyone just stop with this BS narrative that the Scandinavians are just the rain masters and that, Oh, you know, it's if if you want a car to go sideways, you've got to get a fin in it. You know, oh, Kimmy and all these they're going to love these conditions. So, hang on, let me think about the rainmasters that we've had: Schumacher, Senna, Hamilton, Verstappen, uh, Vettel. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, Central and European. JB even. Yeah, uh, yeah. It. I get really annoyed about this lazy motorsport narrative of like, oh well, if it's if it's rally style conditions, then all the Scandinavians are going to be really good at it. It's like, no, it's it's not like that. I mean, you, you can point to Kimi having an incredible uh, qualifying, and he really, really did put it on display. But then it's like, well, number one was Lance Stroll, who is a Canadian who has no history of rally experience. So I don't know. It just it really knocks me that we just have this stupid narrative. Again, it's like uh, Carlos Sainz is like, oh, he's old man. You know, he's getting something. You know, he's learning from his dad. It's like I'm pretty sure that Carlos Sainz has never like spent ages in an F1 car brapping it around in in snow and rain and mud yeah. just so we can practice for situations like this it's and lazy and it's stupid and i know it's supposed to be a bit of fun but it's pointless and i hate that commentators fall back on these i mean i feel that comes from world rally in particular um because typically in rally um um finnish and sort of northern europe drivers do tend to be really good on ice especially because that's all they ever can drive on um but yeah, I mean, the 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 thing is to anybody who's sort of listening to this, like a rally car and an F1 car are completely different. Like it's it's not even a contest. It's two different styles of driving. It's it's not it's not even the same. Like in in an F1 car, you can roughly see what's in front of you. In a rally car, you have to listen to a guy telling you what's in front of you and hope and pray he's right. Um, and so yeah, it's. I mean, I, I do agree with you. I do agree with you, but I do feel it's from sort of that world and it's sort of being brought into F1 for some weird reason. Also, case in point, who was the worst performing driver all weekend? Someone from Finland. <laughs> yeah, um, I totally agree with that. Um, I suppose really what was surprising is where did this pace come from for Racing Point and what was making the big gaps in the qualifying grid you know what, what was that all about and I think it must have just been the weather with the slippery surface just really mixed up and it does really show isn't it just just how much of a knife edge F1 is on and I'm sure yep. the powers that be are watching that going oh there's a way to get Merck off their throne here sometime you know maybe the, and again I think the tyre pressures have changed before the race and we know Merck don't like that um, so yeah I imagine they'll be watching that quite intently but it was just really odd they just couldn't get those inters fired up quick well full wet orange they just couldn't get him up to temperature quick no. enough uh i mean they they were significantly slower in the first stint than they were in the second yeah. uh but i mean by a colossal margin so i guess and but then again you look at uh you look at lance and sergio in qualifying and you can go well oh they were able to make those you know brand new inters work but then you look at the race and you go well that's absolutely the opposite of what happened with I, poor I was literally just about to say this like i i feel where Merck were torching their tires in previous seasons that was the car to do it in quali but because of the way the race panned out you know and we'll talk about it more but those slick inters like you needed to save them like you needed to hold on to them as long as you could yeah the rp is like last year's Merck but yeah. then it probably didn't have the technical understanding behind it to really understand, you right, you said that like the tyre temps, it must just fire them up really quickly for it to get yeah. laps like that. And the Merck, the only way to get good times, I mean, we saw earlier in the season in the second, in the Styrian Grand Prix, the Merck was amazing in the wet, uh, or particularly in Lewis's hands it was. Um, but 
for whatever reason it wasn't at this track but i feel they just needed too many laps to get a time out but you know they were obviously filling the car up with fuel and saying just circulate and get temp into your tires as other cars could i think that's what undid max in the end as well you know those they, they worked on the full wets you get more heat into them because of the tread block so that's why actually if you see sidestep here if you get, see demo cars f1 cars they've always got full wets or nearly always, and you think, well, why is that? And it's because they don't have tire blankets with them usually, and full wets will overheat very quickly. So when you just want to do a little bit of showcase, yeah, that you'll get heat into them, and they'll be a bit actually a bit grippier than if you had slicks. But obviously in a race, you know, you do one lap with full wets, they're burnt out, they're knackered, and you've got no grip. Um, but it was really interesting to see the different strategy. A really unusual quality. I just didn't really know what to make of it. It, it was it was great. It was it was different. Um, Perez kind of bottled it a little, not well, bottled it. He threw it away. He probably should have been on pole without that spin. He said he caught Geo, but um, let's let's give some credit to Stroll when it mattered, yeah. when it came down to. It. I didn't expect to see it when he crossed the line and he had that pole position. Um, you know, it was a, a great lap, and uh, he is good in the wet Stroll. I mean, he, you know, he's proven that that wet Monza in uh, twenty seventeen or eighteen. I always forget seventeen. Uh, he was he was dynamite. Uh, he was good in Styrian Grand Prix as well, wasn't he, Stroll? I think he started quite a bit further up. Um, and Perez was actually quite far back, but Perez caught him. So, yeah, Stroll, Stroll's good in the wet uh, in, in general. Um, but maybe the race didn't prove my point there. But, again, I, I would agree that Max, it it looked for all the world, that it was his, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, he was, threw it away. His second, that Q2, he was ridiculous, significantly yeah. faster yeah. than anyone else. It was just insane. And, you know, the, the track would, there would be a track graduation and they'd be getting a little bit closer to him. Then he just bung something in that was three seconds faster than everyone else. It was, it was staggering. It was like watching him in Brazil in 2017 again. And yeah, so the fact that he didn't get P1 is all the more baffling. But then again, come race, you know, starting in first gear, I think it doesn't matter where he would have started. He'd have ended up seventh, but we'll yeah. get there. Yeah, 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 that was a good I mean, point actually. They picked up in the commentary that was well spotted. Brundle does do that every now and then, doesn't he? He picks up these little things, obviously, from being a driver. And you saw Ricardo's launch on second gear, and the, re the car just went boom, it went. Um, but going in first, I've never really experienced that in real driving apart from snow, right? If, you, if you're, snow, you're driving a car in snow and you've got some crappy little four wheel drive car, you don't want to launch off in first, you probably spin all over the place, but um. Yeah, I mean, I had to learn that in my like in in, in my old Civic Type R. If it, if if it was wet and I went up in first, it just bit the tires constantly. There was no end. Um, exactly. So it's front wheel drive cars love doing yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so for the race highlights, I, I, there's so much I could have done pages on it. That what I wanted to do instead, I just put in our notes what was your favourite moment of the race, and then we can go through the notes. So Oz, I don't know what your favourite moment of the race was. Um, as much as I love Leclerc, uh, just seeing him do that little mess up right at the end and then Seb getting onto the podium, like I, as, as much as I'm critical of Seb, I do realise he is a four-time world champion. I still do believe it was mostly down to the RB, but then you can argue, well, but Lewis is only one of them because of the Mercedes, right? Whatever. But just seeing him up there and then just seeing the way he handled the whole, you know, like he was the first person to go up to Lewis and be like, mate, you, you, you've smashed the record. And it just reminds me of just, um, of, of why we actually do need said in the sport still. Like actually in the sport, like not like as a team manager or, you know, but like actually in the sport. Hmm. 
Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. What about you, Keith? What moment stood out for you? Uh, very similar. I think the final half lap, watching the battle for two, three, four, mm. was something else. And uh, it was one of those moments where you're kind of shouting at the race director, just, just forget the checkered flag. Let's take us to this, take us to this moment. And then the team radio for Leclerc afterwards. Cool. Yeah, I mean, he was he was three quarters hot about that, wasn't he? He was not happy, uh, and it it just reminded me of just like a petulant kid who got like an A on his GCSEs when he should have got an A star. And he's like, oh, I'm so stupid. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, mm. it's it's weird though because people kind of go, oh, well, he overcommitted on that move for second. It's like, no, that move was done. Yeah, he was, was second. Done. He he would completed that and and you know, navigated two more corners. The fact is, is that he just panicked on that final corner and just went, he locked his wheel, went way too deep. And that was that. Uh, and I think, you know, it, it is a feel good, in a, in a race of feel good moments. It was fantastic to see Sev have a performance of old and, you know, put it on a podium. It's, it's almost a shame that this is now the exception rather than, you know, a normality. But it was just nice to see Seb, you know, thanking his teammates, really meaning it, sharing a, sharing a podium with Lewis as well. Like those two have got immense respect for each other. And just for that seventh and for Seb to come out as well and say, oh, Lewis is, the, he's the driver of the generation. That, that takes some class. So good on him. Uh, yeah. Real feel good moment. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And actually my moment wasn't really moment. It's just kind of thing of the race, I suppose relates to the same driver was Seb. I suppose moment was his start. I thought his start was dynamite because it was. Um, and just seeing that, I was like, wow, you go, Seb. You know, he was in P3. The way he held off Max and Max was getting frustrated. The way he held off Lewis and Lewis was frustrated. And then uh, getting that podium. I think that was, it was an undertone of kind of the race. That was one moment. And the other moment I thought was awesome, which wasn't like a, a particular pass or an overtake, was just looking at and going, hang on a minute. Lance Stroll is leading this race by eight seconds and he's a pit stop ahead of Hamilton. What is going on? And I'm just sitting there and I was like, this is a morning race, so I'm not having a beer with it. I've got a coffee. Like, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> Am I really witnessing that? And that was, that was crazy just to take that in. Um, and, and Stroll like, was just disappearing off into the distance. It was like, it was, it was, like, it was just crazy. So yeah, for me, that, that, those two things, Seb Star and that kind of, Stroll's first stint where he was in complete command of the race and was the class of the field but a two for me we've got to blame James Allen for that because I think at one point when it was Stroll Perez Albon he's like oh it's highly likely we're going to see a new race winner it's like you, no. you just you had to say it no. 30 laps Anyway, um, so let's do what we usually do uh, team breakdown so Williams uh, Latifi DNF and Russell 16th. Um, uh, so um, their new uh, team principal, Simon Roberts, I think his name is. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, he I has. Been, don't know. <laughs> um, Sorry. It is. Uh, so he got um, contracted with COVID, so he wasn't actually at this race. He's been back home in the UK. So wish him a speedy recovery. Um, and just again, just showing how good F1 is just at handling this. It's just been amazing all season to watch um but if 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 the likes of Merck are struggling in these conditions you know what hope was there for William simple as that right yeah um um it was uh 
bit of a funny one, this for Williams, because it's a big chance, right? It's a big opportunity for them. When there's a chaotic race and things are going crazy, that's when they need to capitalise and make the most of it. But they were very, very much at the back again, weren't they? I mean, even Mr. Saturday himself, um, and I'm sure he's sick of hearing that as much as we are, couldn't, couldn't get it into Q2. The car just didn't seem to be anywhere, did it? I mean, if you've not got enough downforce, you're always going to struggle in the wet. Um, Latifi had a really poor weekend. You know, he's off in Q1. He had spins in the race. He was just nowhere. George was pretty much nowhere as well. He did kind of creep up to P11. Williams had a really ingenious strategy where they're like, do you know what? We're going to start in the pit lane so we can get some really nice hot tires and leave the pit lane rather than starting on the grid, doing a formation lap and the tires going cold. Very good idea. If you're going to start at the back, that's pretty ingenious. And they decided to go on the Inters, which is brave. George had an amazing first stint on the Inters and he was actually up to P11 in one point, uh, which I think was, was great. You know, he loves being 11th, uh, flirting with that. But for whatever reason, just disappeared from there, didn't it? You know, they had... I just don't think the car could look after the tyres. I don't think you can really have a go at the drivers for that. George did say after, this isn't F1. And I couldn't disagree with him more there. I think this weekend was absolutely what F1 was about. And actually, a lot of people are asking for less grip to be in F1 because they're like, this is what happens when you're not just dominated by downforce. You get overtakes, you get... Um, actually, there weren't a lot of overtakes, but you get racing. <laughs> mm. And you get a mixed up grid, you get a mixed up result. Um, and I'd agree with that. It's It's really hard for me because part of me has this real you know f1's the pinnacle should just be as much downforce as possible you know if you want wacky races go watch btcc that's not what f1's about but i kind of get as well it gets to a point when you know you are they all going to be like the red bull 20x10 yeah, prototype yeah. Or whatever it's called you know where there's just infinite downforce they start um, and and then that's that's it so i'm kind of in two minds but i think this weekend was totally what f1's about this is where you know you reminded me of races of old where any team you know yeah you had teams that would dominate but every now and then you just get some crazy results you know and uh i, I disagree with him there i think he's just probably at the hump because he really wanted to put last weekend in his back or the weekend before the back of his mind and this wasn't the race to do that right so uh yeah there we go but um not much to say about williams they probably didn't have the car to capitalize on the crazy race but i i, I haven't really got else to say yeah, I mean, you talk about crazy, but I, I mentioned earlier that it, it was not a high attrition race. No safety car, no chance of... No, you know, to race, yeah. You know, they, there was no way they were going to get anybody because they're out of sequence and they could just, you know, dive into the pits. They, you know, take a gamble. There was, there was nothing that they could really do to sort of counter strategy anything. I mean, they, well, they did by going on the Inters first, but certainly that was their one big gambit. It, it worked. As the track started to dry out, they just didn't have the raw pace or the downforce. So George did the best he could. And, you know, the car is clearly pretty undrivable in those conditions. Latifi was just miles and miles away. Um, you know, it, he may as well, uh, if the race was still going on, I don't know if he'd have finished all of his laps by now. Hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Terrible weekend for Williams. They'll look to move on and put it in their rearview mirror. Uh, Onwards and upwards for them. Well, onwards at least. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, yeah, shame. But th yeah, they never looked at anywhere close to actually finishing near the points. Last was, they were lucky to get last. They'd have to have gone a long way to get more than just horrible. Yeah, yeah. so moving on. Alfa Romeo, uh, Kimi, 15th, Geo, DNF. Um, like, again, like I, I think just the fact that Kimi actually ended the race was... A good enough thing for them, right? 
Yeah, it's a shame because they had such a good quality, didn't they? Yeah, they I think did. again with a lot of the teams, it was they could fire the tires up, so they had a good quality. And then in the race, you didn't really want to be. Yeah, so um, it, it kind of worked for Mac at that. But I, I think Kimi had a good race. I mean, again, fifteenth is usually all you're really going to get in an Alpha, I think, this year. So it wasn't the worst. He did okay. I think he spun towards the end. Um, Geo didn't get his usual gain a load of places on lap one, but then he started really high up the grid. So can't really blame him for that I don't think um then he had a gearbox issue on lap 12 which kind of ruled him out so even though he'd lost a load of pace a uh, load of places to his change of tires so great quality for them but yeah the race wasn't it's not really much else to say other than that is there yeah they'll focus on their Saturday they'll think of that as being a you know getting two cars into Q3 fantastic for them but yeah the race itself not a whole lot to say you know I, it may have only been Alpha Tari, who had a more anonymous Sunday, to be honest. Yeah, and then moving on, Alpha Tari, uh, Kvyat 12th, Gasly 13th. Uh, they, they felt like they were racing in like Google Chrome incognito mode. Like, I just felt like I just didn't see them. No, I, I, they were totally anonymous. And it wasn't until like this morning that um, I was doing something else, whatever. And then I was going, hang on a minute. Was Gasly in that race? Like, yeah. I, just, I don't think the camera panned to him once. I don't think there was any mention of him. Um, you know, it just both of them had, I think they were, they just weren't set up for the wet. They looked really good in practice. They didn't set up for the wet. So they were kind of nowhere. Kvyat kind of spun out of Q1. He had a really good stint on the Inters. But apart from that, they, they just, it just wasn't their weekend, was it really? Yeah, it's a shame because we talk about that car, you know, unlike their sister car, we talk about mm. the Alpha Terry being really, well-balanced and easy to drive, but clearly there was something just not quite firing for them. Uh, couldn't get the tyres up to temp. Whatever it was, they were just completely not at the races. And it's a shame now because it looks like they're, you know, they, were, they were just having a look at overtaking Ferrari just for a second, but this race completely killed that. Yeah, which is a shame because I think as a team, they've smashed out the part this year. But anyway... Uh, talking about teams which have smashed it. Uh, Racing Point, Perez second, Stroll ninth. Um, it's amazing to me that Perez still isn't signed. Um, he's talked about taking a, a sabbatical for the year. Uh, I'm, I actually do think, insanely, Red Bull are going to sign Albon for next year as well. Um, there was some media shoot stuff which happened in Turkey this weekend between him and Gasly. And yeah, like it's, I mean, after after this as well, like. Well, Keith, I'm actually going to give you a racing point because I know you like to have them. So would you like to take the reins on this one? Yeah. Uh, and I, I can't say anything bad. You know, that. Perez obviously benefited greatly from a terrible start from Max. They were running 1-2 for the first stint, and for that first stint, they looked incredibly comfortable. I know that Max got close, but then he, you know, you know on an already incredibly low amount of downforce, he decided to hang about in uh, Perez's wake for way too long and just lost absolutely all of his downforce and just spun it. Uh, Albon never quite got close enough to Paris to really mount a sustained challenge and then just to gradually start to drop and drop and drop in. Uh, so it looked for the world that it was just going to be, you know, one, two, or maybe a one, three, you know, 
Oh, whoever's out in front, be it Perez or Stroll after the first round of pit stops, we'll, uh, the second one will play spoiler and then, the, you know, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get the first win. And then, okay, so they, I can't remember when they pit Stroll. I think it was around lap 30, right? Uh, was... I'm not actually sure. When did Stroll pit? Do you know what? I'll find out whilst you guys carry on. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think this was one of the strongest weekends racing point I've ever had. Like, I'm not going to take that away from them. They've clearly taken strides with understanding that car, which then puts them into a much stronger footing next season. But, I mean, but um, something happened. Once once so, they yeah. put the, once, once, one, yeah, once right. Roll put those tyres on, I mean, he instantly complained about graining. Instantly. I think it was within two laps, complained that they were graining up already. Uh, I think oh. it was because... Uh, that's because on Twitter, sorry, um, uh, let oh, me find he had it. Damage. They're saying that he yeah. had damage, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so they they basically came out today and said that um, a piece got lodged uh, on the under tray, I think, and then that's where um, he just he basically because of that happening, it, that's where he then just absolutely fell off a cliff. But I mean, it was depressing because it was. He came out. Did he come out behind Max? Uh, no, I think he, I think he did. So he, he kind of lost it in the pit stops already. We're really fumbling here, aren't yeah. we? So I didn't know about this damage. That's new to me. Um, but it felt like Racing Point actually sort of. I mean, they're not used to being in a commanding position where they're leading. Just let the race slip away from them. I think you've got to be. If you're leading, you've got to also be very decisive with your your actions, which is something Red Bull are phenomenal at and Merck are very good at. Mm. Um, Racing Point kind of let that slip and they let, he already had lost track position uh, and then he just grained those tyres up instantly whether he didn't care for them enough but what was this damage? I'm really interested. So here. I'm just reading it now so just putting up the tweet to the camera so you guys can Way. see. Um, so, um, so update, um, during the team's routine post race car setup down, uh, we discovered a damage to the underside of Lance Stroll's front wing that was significant uh, contributor to the graining issues he experienced during his second and third stint uh, on the intermediate tyres at the Turkish Grand Prix. Lance reported second poor... And third. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Lance reported poor tyre performance, uh, significant understeer and graining from lap 17 onwards in the race. Pitting for fresh set of intermediates on lap 36, failed to resolve the problem with the graining becoming even more severe. One of the strakes uh, on the underside of the front wing had come loose and lodged itself in such a way that the um, that, that, that lodged itself in such way uh, in such way the blockage caused a significant loss of front downforce. The resultant loss of front downforce contributed to increasing levels of graining. Uh, Data during the race confirmed uh, there were there was a significant loss of front downforce, but with no visible damage to the top side of the front wing. Compi uh, combined with the low grip conditions, it was difficult to confirm whether the data was correct. It was only after the race, when the car returned to the garage, that the damage and blockage to the underside of the front wing was discovered. Oh, well. So that's why. I mean, that sounds a bit like the old cracked chassis to me. Um, I'm not going to lie. Um, but sure, I mean... Yeah, there, there, there were a lot of comments going, yeah, sure, because Sergio Perez, because <laughs> he got second. But yeah, 
at least at least that's what they're saying and it does kind of make sense it um, did seem odd it, i mean i think if stroll had had no pace in the first stint then i probably would have gone with it uh, i would have gone with their kind of conspiracy theories to be honest but i feel that it was weird that his pace just fell off the cliff and so quickly uh, and when in the first stint, his pace was just genuinely very good i mean perez got him at the end mm. Or was very and it close, wasn't you know, only, but he wasn't the only one to suffer from that, you know, poor second stint either, which no. is kind of suspicious because it happened with Danny Rick as well. Like his pace was yeah. just completely falling away at the end. So I think it was just a case of they put, you know, fresh inters on a, a track that was too dry for the inters to sustain themselves. And he, so they just got too hot too quick. Uh, yeah, and that's probably interesting actually because those ones that kept them on longer and had those slick inters, they probably found that the, the temperature was more consistent as they'd worn down in a kind of more steady way rather than just yeah. you know overheating them with big tread blocks, getting hot, ripping apart, and then yeah, so I suppose. Yeah, like Lando talking worse. about how everyone became, they became, he called them slick intermediates, which I thought slick was an sort of interesting way of wording it. Uh, it was just interesting <laughs> hearing Lando actually talk like a normal F1 driver and not talk like he was playing a video game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it ultimately, I mean, it was depressing watching Stroll fall back from P1 to P9. Just it, You could just see it all unraveling like a you know, ball of yarn being played with by cats. It was just so, you know, I felt, you know, and I've been critical of Lance, but I actually felt bad for him just watching his race completely compromised like that. And you just think yeah. if they just left him out, what might have been? Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a real shame. I didn't want to see that. I mean, I think a lot of people really reveled in that. Um, but I just didn't want to see him go from first to ninth. That was just, yeah, it was a bit, bit sad by the end, wasn't it? But let's not uh, forget Perez. What a phenomenal drive. Yeah. Um, he, again, he really kept those inters alive. He nearly lost out his second place. He nearly lost his podium at the end, but he just about hung in there. Uh, the tyre whisperer whatever you want to call him. But yeah, really, really good race. Um, surely people have got to be looking at him, but there's only that Red Bull seat left. And I agree with uh, Oz, they're going to go with Albon. Uh, it's just obvious and it's, it's just disappointing, really, I think. Yeah, they'll, they'll I mean, I actually didn't Albon. realize that uh, Red Bull actually had some pretty heavy Thai investors. Uh, okay. Not Red Bull as, uh, not the team themselves, but the actual, the actual parent company, company the, the drinks mm. company. Yeah, they've got like a very heavy Thai investment. Uh, it is, the, it's much like the contract situation with Lewis. I feel like the longer that uh, Red Bull keep going on about, oh, it's his to lose, it's, uh, the more I do feel it's almost becoming like, yeah, maybe they are going to keep him. I feel like, I feel like they will. If they do, I've got to buy you guys drinks. I've lost that bet. Um... But anyway, moving on. Um, McLaren signs fifth, Norris eighth. Uh, I felt this was an improvement, but just again, as I talked about last time, signs second half of the season. He's been doing so well. He is a, a great driver. He just had a bit of a rough patch, didn't he, through Sochi, mm. where he made that stupid mistake in Mugello. He had, he had a few races that weren't all there. Um, but he seems to have come back strong. We know he's a phenomenal driver. He had a really good race. It was very consistent. Again, we know the McLaren, uh, the uh, yeah, McLarens fire their tires up super quick, as we saw in um, in Portugal, which made everyone kind of jump. So uh, yeah, it was really really good to see that. Um, and um, they had a, they had a good race. 
Uh, Norris had a great race as well because he had a really poor start actually and then uh, managed to really pick it up. Um, though he did get a silly penalty in yeah. quality that kind of impeded him as well. He set the fastest lap by an absolute mile in the race, so that was great. I think Merck, uh, Macca are really going to struggle for third, though. I, I can't see past Racing Point and Renault now. I know Macca didn't do, you know, they, they, did, they got a good haul of points. Uh, they're not a million miles behind Racing Point, but it just feels like Renault and Racing Point are coming strong at the right point of the season. Um, and do you want to know what makes the Racing Point third situation even more scary? Is they lost points. They got yeah, points they lost taken off them. Points. They lost a third place worth of points, basically. So, you know, we, we always it's... knew. I mean, that, that, I think people said that racing point, it was easily, the, you know, it's the second best car, easily the class in the midfield. It's not that quick, um, but it is, it's, you know, it's a quick car. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Mac could just have to keep fighting because there might be some more crazy races. I get this feeling this out of track in Bahrain is going to be a bit weird. And, yeah, so you've got to hang in there. But they had a good race in, 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 when, it, when their quality was poor. Um, you know, either through the penalty or just, just not, not being all there. So, uh, yeah, they, they managed to turn around. And actually, Sainz got a penalty as well, didn't he, for blocking Q2. So they both got penalties, um, which isn't good. But they, they, they turned it around in the race. But did, did Sainz make a mistake all race? He was just quietly and consistently yeah. putting that thing and he reaped the benefits. I mean, fifth and very, very close to just nabbing that fourth at death. Yeah. Uh, you know, and if that race was another three laps long, he probably would have taken uh, the Ferraris as well. He was really, both yeah. McLarens by the end of that were really mighty. Were dynamite. And he, um, I mean, think about it. He beat Max Verstappen as well and both Red Bulls. So yeah, it was a really good race from him and, and good from Norris to recover. You're right. Good point. The, was the, thing about, the, the thing is about that McLaren is all season, even with the new front aero concept, is when it's on low fuel, it just seems to just come into a class of its own yeah yeah well but then again i mean like when it like you're saying in portugal like it just it streaks ahead i mean obviously that was because of tires mm. uh yeah there's something about that car that i mean i wish lando could get it together in the first stint because he always seems to go backwards at the start but he really does manage to put on a charge at the end whereas carlos is just consistently very good and you wonder if they could just get those cars firing from the start rather because they always just seem to fall back and then recover be interesting to see if they can actually get that thing you know working from you know pole to flag uh so maybe you know maybe with a uh, merc power next year who knows how they'll be but i yeah i can see them finishing fourth at best this uh this championship but that's still good from where they were a couple of years ago let's not forget this is not far removed from gp2 engine gp2 engine so yeah, fair play to McLaren. They're, they they are not an embarrassment. No, for sure they're not. I think, I, like I said at the start of the season, if they get beaten by some absolute wildcard racing point that's just gone off on a tangent to do well this year, then I would agree. But um, I do think they need to beat Renault. I think if they lose that to Renault, they have taken a slight step backwards. Um, and yeah, we completely forgot about Haas, but I've got nothing to say. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was just looking through the notes here and I was just like, wait, hold on, I feel like I've forgotten something and then it clicks. Yeah, Haas. Um, yeah, Haas, that's it. All right, let's move on. Um, uh, uh, Renault, Ricardo 10th, Ocon 11th. Um, it's a shame. Uh, I expect him to do a lot more this race. Uh, Ricardo had an amazing start, but just, just yeah, sort of fell apart, didn't it? The wet was never really going to sort Renault. He had a great quality. 
Ocon was really unlucky because it was pretty. It was basically Ricardo that had put him in that position, um, tagging him. You know, it wasn't his fault. It was a racing incident. And Ocon did amazingly well to come eleventh, really, because he got spun round again on that one as well. So, um, you know, impressive. Ocon's really good in the wet, anyway. Though he was a bit awol in quali, um, but it wasn't their best race, was it? They've lost third in the constructors now. Yeah. Um, yeah, they can't be doing that too many times. This was never going to suit their strengths. Outer bar range should suit them. I really feel like Abu Dhabi, they'll go well as well because it's sort of that their sort of track. But we'll see how they do. It's going to be so tight for that third place. You just feel like now Racing Point are starting to turn the screw and they've got that little bit more about them to get it closed out. But we'll see. Yeah, uh, I I feel terrible because Ocon had that P3, you know, in the, going into the first and second you know complex. He was looking good in, in P3, and from there, who knows? Because obviously, uh, you know, Red Bull weren't do, didn't have the best of starts, and uh, you know, uh, Mercedes didn't have the best of starts. So, if he could have just solidified P3, who knows how Ocon would have done? He'd certainly been on for a big haul of points, but I mean, Rick had a you know, was that the most disappointing Ricardo race all year? I can't think, yeah, of any I other. think so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and I mean, and and that says a lot to him. It wasn't an absolute stinker, right? But it wasn't a good race, spinning, and just was a wall, wasn't he? The second half of the race, like a lot of drivers were. To be honest, they got on that second stint and they just went a wall. Yeah, I feel like a lot of drivers went home either delighted or furious after this race. Not many yeah. people were go like, "Yeah, I'm relatively pleased with that." It seemed like lots of people would be very happy or very mad. And speaking of very mad, Red Bull. Hmm. Uh, I'll let you guys. To take the first one. <laughs> okay, if you bought onto them, uh, so why don't you? Why don't you take it up? Oh boy! I mean, well, first of all, they should have had pole. Should have done, Max. Yep. I don't want to say he bottled it, but you know, he didn't. He, he didn't deliver when he should have done. That was his, and all his all all weekend. He looked like he was going to be destined for the front. You know, and I think Max has inherited the uh, the Senna Schumacher. Hamilton role, like he is the guy who, who you want to watch in the wet. He'll make everybody else look like they're on ice skates while he's he's got uh, spiked heels. Uh, but he didn't look like the the Max that we remember from you know other like Germany last year, Brazil 2017, where he just makes that car sing in the wet. I think because there wasn't that second line, you know, like he was. Yeah. Every time he drives in the wet, he's always able to find that other line where he can just find the grip. But there was no grip to be had all race because of such a bare virgin bitumen track, which was just leaching resin. So everything was completely slippy. So you couldn't go off the opposite line to find grip, which meant it made it difficult to overtake. It made it difficult to slingshot. So Max didn't look as good as I think he knows that he can look in the wet. And uh, yeah, but having said that, at one point, he did look like he was going to win the race because yep. he was behind uh, Perez. He was flying. He should have made the move stick. He got impatient by trying to... He overcommitted a move that had already failed. He got impatient, which is one of sadly one of Max's big flaws. Uh, and yeah, just binned it. And after that, I think it was... It was funny, actually, because even though he binned it, he overtook Albon within like two laps, didn't he? Yeah. It shows you just how much faster he was than Albon. But then again, Albon, because after the, after uh, Max had to re... Uh, so I was thinking about the first spin that Max had. 
Yeah, because once uh, once he flat spotted the tyres, he got completely out of sequence, and it was such a massive shame for his race. But then all of a sudden, you know, cometh the hour, cometh the cometh the album. And I, you know, I think at one point he was the favourite to win the race. Yeah, I'd have put all my money on that. At that point where you had race to point one and two, album third, you thought this, this could be it. This is album third. And I thought that'll seal him the drive for next year. They'll use that as the, the excuse to get him in. I, um, thought, I thought he might get, th- I thought he'd get a podium. I thought, oh, he'll get third. I, I, I just think he won't make it. But then all of a sudden, yeah, he just bins it under no pressure. I know, and he said, "Oh, my tires have gone." It's like, well, guess what, Sunshine? Everyone's tires have gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but then, but even before that, he'd already missed his best opportunity to pass Perez because he he was hanging around in DRS range for about five laps. But by the time he spun it, he was already about three or four seconds off, so he was already falling back. So I think he'd already blown his best chance. And then after that, it was just damage limitation for both Red Bulls, which was, I think. What a shame! Especially, I mean, there's there's no way they should have finished where they six finished and seven. Race. Six, th- yeah, look at it. There is no way they should have finished six and seven. No, it's shocking, and it was really odd to see. You kind of saw all of Max's weaknesses there to bear. Sometimes Max just looks indestructible. He looks invincible and like he can't be beaten, um, because even when he's not in the quickest car, he makes things happen that shouldn't be possible. But this weekend really showed that sort of petulant side. He looked all lost at sea. As soon as he not things he'd had that bad start as soon as that happened at no point after that did he look in control he was ragged he was ragged on the radio he was all over the gaff he was wide on all the curbs and he just didn't look like he was his head was in the game I think he was just so keen to make up for what he thought was a bad quality when starting second when you've got stroll ahead of you you'd probably feel pretty comfortable but he just blew it with a really bad start the spin was ridiculous and that cost him the race and as soon as he'd done that he was out of kilter um, it seemed that anyone that went onto the second set of inters didn't really have a good time by the McLarens. Um, he, it was his race to take, like you said. He, he, you know, the, the overtake on Perez was unnecessary. He'd done that you know, where he was too close and you have to back off. You have to back off and that's it. But he then went for a pass on the wet, on the paint, and you saw what happened there. Um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was petulant, it was ragged, and there's no way he should have been coming away from six. Having you know, both Ferraris get by him, getting, having Sainz get by him, Turned into a sitting duck and just about held on in the end. Um, wasn't a great race. And Albon, that was a chance to really shine. You know, when he was sitting third behind the racing points, I honestly thought it was his race to lose. Um, and then he just, like you said, spun under no pressure. And that was that then. That, that He was out. Um, yeah, I mean, Red Bull are going to be really kicking themselves coming away from this race because this would usually be where they would shine, you know, in these crazy conditions. Look at Germany last year, for example, where Verstappen really shone um but they just yeah he he, he doesn't he, he it got to his head uh, i think his mentality is maybe not as strong as i thought and he'll get that you know he's he's, he's got time yeah. but uh, i've no doubt that max is an amazing talent but this was one race where he was made to look a little bit fallible which is unusual for max yeah i mean this has always been my biggest criticism of max i feel he's he is a very passionate driver, and obviously we see it all the time. The more passionate you are, the more angry you get, and the more mistakes you get. And and this was it. This was, you know, like I, I think the quality just hurt him. It like it really just hurt him on like a soul level. Um, and then just once the spun happened, I, actually no, I think from the start, once he realised everybody flying past him, I mean, it, it, I'm surprised nobody actually went straight into him. If, if I'm honest with you, because he was just not moving 
Um, and yeah, and as for Albon, you know, it's, it, it is the case of if he is in F1, is it because of money reasons? Is it because, you know, he's actually got skill and talent, which, you know, he's got more than me, but that Red Bull is the second quickest car on the grid, right? And only Max has been able to take it to the marks all season. And what's actually worrying me now is, you know, is, is the fact that Lewis was able to put in such a performance this weekend with a car which didn't suit this track and just trounce them, you know, just went, not just trounce the Red Bull, but everyone else. And so going into next season, it's going to be the same cars, you know, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> I feel 2021 is just going to be a repeat of this year, really. I can't see but 23 races of it. So that'll yeah, be fun. I mean, they are reducing exactly. the downforce by 10%. They might get caught out something, you know, because these tires are on such a knife edge, just yeah. that 10% change. It might do something. You don't know. But uh, yeah, it feels a bit ominous. We'll come to Merck in a minute, but we missed Ferrari and we don't want to miss them because oh, yeah, they well, had a pretty good race, didn't they? Yeah, cool. So let's go on to Ferrari. Um, Vettel, third, Leclerc, fourth. Uh, I just like seeing Vettel on the podium again. That's, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I really liked seeing him there and he had a great race. It felt like the Seb of old. I will say, really, um, as much as I hate saying it, Leclerc did outshine him again, actually. Leclerc was pretty much nailed on. He was one of the fastest, like most, actually for most of the race, Leclerc was the fastest car on the track. You'd hear about him constantly, how his pace was electric. Yeah, he, he had a really poor quality, but he had a great race um and really it was that one mistake which is a big mistake that cost him but he should have been in p2 which would have been ridiculous from where he started that really would have been insane but it didn't it's all ifs and buts it was seb who kept it together it was seb who kept his head you know he had he kept verstappen behind him that's pretty much what got verstappen such a flap and so riled up in the first place um he kept lewis behind him for ages he pulled away from lewis uh, at the end of that stint he was actually gapping him and uh he thought suddenly, wow, you know, he's, he's, he's just gone. Um, and it was that second change again that they didn't like as much, but dealt better than a lot of other drivers. Both him and Leclerc did and didn't destroy their second set of inters, maybe because they shifted onto him just a little bit earlier than some of the others. But it was great to see Seb on the podium. Um, he's had a terrible season, hasn't he? Uh, hasn't he? And it's, it just feels like there's more than you know, just being down to him. But the bit at the end that really got me was I thought, wow, Leclerc did kind of have him again on pace, even though Seb was third at one point. Yeah. Leclerc managed to claw back such a huge gap. Right. Actually, overtook Seb on track as well. Yeah. Um, and it was a clean pass. It wasn't like it was a clean Brazil, pass. you know, where they nearly <laughs> yeah. smashed into each other. Yeah. But like clean and fair. The the again, I've said this all season. Just slow and steady. That's all Leclerc's been. And the well, fast and steady. I think. Well, for, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, you, it's 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 weird because in terms of the shots and the cameras, like we didn't really see him, but yet you just see him just. On, on, on the sort of right-hand side, you just see his name go up and you're like, what? Like, um, the thing is about Leclerc is if you compare him to Max when Max was in his second year, and if you just compare to Leclerc to all of the other sort of newer junior drivers, he, and, and the fact that he, he's got that Ferrari in podium positions this year, which it has no right of being, is just mental to me. And, and, and it's almost scary to think you know so so this race um the team principal Matteo Bonotto wasn't actually at the race he was back in Italy working on the new car 
So it's it's like maybe if they can get a car into his hands. Well, Ferrari are going to make a big jump next year. I really feel it. I know I it's not the biggest do. changes, but I think they've been working on I, that. I pray they do. Like, yeah, throw do money well. at the problem. Just, just do what you always do. Sack everyone. Just throw money. I don't care. Just build Leclerc a good car. Leclerc is a phenomenal driver. Uh, he really is. And he's been amazing all season. Uh, and that race was just, again, showed he's just so quick. He's dynamite. But it was so good to see Seb on the podium. And, and there was a bit of the old Seb back there. Um, even if Leclerc on pace was actually probably the better driver on the day again. Uh, it's crazy to say, but it was just good seeing Ferraris near the sharp end, wasn't it? Where they, they belong. I don't even mind saying that. Uh, they belong mm. on the front. Um, so they had a good race. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a sad day when you say third and fourth is an amazing race for Ferrari, but that's where we are at the moment. Um, and they did a good job. It was, uh, you know, it just it was a feel-good moment with Seb and Charles, yeah, he got angry and, you know, but he'll you know, he's going to be a bit of a hothead. He's still young. So. I mean, just on that though, you know, even, even though he was swearing like everything else, he still, you know, went, you know, this is great for Seb. He's had a tough season. Like this is, this is why I've just got a lot of respect for the kid. Cause even, even then he still just takes the time to realize. He was you know, cheeky though. He's like, yeah, it's good for so you know, he had a lot of trouble on his side of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's not, <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, he's not wrong. You know, and, and no, even Seb said he's had a, a challenging season yeah. this year, you know? So yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know. he, he can't not say that, can he? I mean, yeah, I, th- I think Leclerc as a, as a racing driver, I'm, big fan of what he does i mean i said as a person i don't care you know he's he's nothing there's nothing there really is there he's you know another spoiled kid but his on the track you know he is give me max versus charles 2023 i want to see hopefully hopefully lewis is gone by then well we saw that first glimpse of it didn't we silverstone last last year. year that first max leclerc battle and it was great and i want to see more and then austria where max literally just smashed into the side well, to get him out of the way completely forgot that um yeah and um they've never really raced in a junior formula so they haven't they didn't meet but they've mm. met an f1 now and i want to see more of that so uh yeah that's good stuff yeah i mean that really could be the new prost and senna couldn't it those two yeah, not, but it almost feels like one. Senna and Senna, doesn't it? But I just suppose yeah, Prost instead of Leclerc is quite a thinking driver. But yeah, sorry. Yeah, not casting one as the other, just as you know, as rivals. As mm. I mean, you Hakkinen, Schumacher, whatever yeah. rivalry you want to say. Obviously, I mean, it could be the rivalry of the generation once Lewis decides to move along. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a great performance by Ferrari. I mean, Leclerc will be kicking himself, but he'll come back from that stronger. He'll admit. You know, he'll probably have apologized to the team Monday morning and said, sorry, guys, about the radio. Uh, I think Seb was batting away question. You know, there's that damning with faint praise of like, podium, Seb, you can still do it. Isn't that sweet? And I think he's probably saying, hey, don't call it a comeback. I'm still still a driver who's got four world championships under his belt. And yeah, yeah I think it's good to keep him to have a result like this to catapult him into some good stead for the next season because he needed something. Mm-hmm. to hang his hat on, didn't he? I mean, it was it was pretty brassic between, you know, between here and the end of the season. If he didn't have a good points finish or a podium, it, it would have been tough to sell that to Aston Martin shareholders. But, yeah, great for him to appear on the podium again and to share that moment with Lewis as rivals and friends. So, all in all, great performance by Ferrari. I don't see them having as good a finishing position between no. now and the end of the year. But, no. hey, uh, it's... It, and you know what? It probably it could have could and probably should have been P two and P three. Should have been, 
Um, it's lots of power hungry tracks coming up now. Well, two Bahrain, <laughs> Bahrain Alta, which is power hungry, Bahrain, which is power hungry, and uh, Abu Dhabi, which is power hungry. So they're going to struggle, but uh, it was feel good. I feel like Seb's going to have a another renaissance with Aston anyway. I feel like it'd be like when he joined Ferrari. Um, I'm not sure if you guys agree with that, but I think we will see a different Seb next year. He's he's, he's very much about his sort of psychology and how he is in his head. Um, I think he'll come back really strong next year. I I mean, just on that, I really like the fact that the racing points being this good. And if they do get third, I know that money doesn't necessarily get poured into that coming car. But again, the rule changes, that's a whole heap of money they can go, all right, well, we can really push now. And they've got all that investment from Aston and all the shareholders. Like it's, I really think that Aston 22 car might be a weapon. Because 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 the team which will actually have money. I mean, this is a team which yeah. has had no money for so long. They've always punched above their weight, and now suddenly yeah. they're just going to get a blank check. Yeah, um, the weakness is ironically the drivers, probably you'd mm. say, right? But they're going to have a mean car. They really they're the one that stands out for me. I think if if you were a driver that was going to take a punt on twenty twenty two, Renault sort of stood out a little bit, but I think Aston Martin really stand out as well. Mm. Um, just just please uh can i just talk about this the you know how like every single race if there's a threat of rain they mm. kind of cut to you know the the weather map and you just yeah. go oh you know it's gonna rain it's gonna rain and that becomes the narrative and then it never mm. rains this race it was the uh dry tires window it was the, <laughs> who's gonna put on slicks who's gonna be the first to put on slicks guess what nobody no. put on slicks <laughs> and at the end of the race when they interviewed everyone they all said Never an option. Couldn't do it. Impossible. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know why they thought slicks was an option because in practice they would, like, everyone except for Seb spun. Yeah. Like on slicks when it was dry. <laughs> like, so yeah. Anyway, uh, Mercedes. Uh, let's do Bottas first, and then we can sort of circle jerk um, Lewis Hamilton and the championship. Uh, Bottas. Um, if there was ever a moment of this is the reason why Bottas won't ever be Hamilton, this if, if anybody says, oh, you know, and Bottas 2077, Bottas 4.0, whatever, I'm just going to be like, no, Turkey 2020. That was his, you know, um, Silverstone 08 that Massa had, uh, as I was saying, the whole race, where he just felt like he was from a different formula to everyone else on the grid he just kept spinning it's come out again now they're like oh yeah damage that's why he did it but it's damage he caused himself by yeah. hitting uh ocon but even then he was just nowhere wasn't even he? quality I mean, practice lapped by a teammate by hamilton in the same car like it's so it's, savage. it was just embarrassing it really wasn't a good weekend was it and his head must have well and truly dropped now i think i mean sochi gave him a little bit of a perk up again but then having lewis doing the way he did in portugal the way he did at the um, at Imola as well is just, yeah, psychologically he must be pretty much done. He's got to think about next year so we can he can win the first race, be Bottas 4.0, and then we can get over that and move on. But, um, yeah, it was a bit embarrassing, wasn't it, really? I, mean, I say a bit, it was really bad. It was really, <laughs> um, like, really I actually bad. felt really sorry for him because he spun, like, four times? Mm, six and times. Six times. Yeah. You know, and it's like... All I'm going to say is, is he must be 
thankful that he has signed next year because if I was Toto after that, I would be like, uh-uh. Mm. Like, just who do you put in there? I yeah, mean. exactly. But still, I mean, it's... The thing is, they don't need any more performance than what he gives, right? You put a... Uh-huh. You know, you put a Perez in there. Perez is going to get his elbows out. You put a Russell in there. Russell is going to be going all out to prove that he's the one for the future. <clears throat> I think Bottas is who they need at the moment. And if Bottas went, they'd be better chucking Hulkenberg in there because he'll do exactly the same job, I'd imagine. But um, yeah, it was a bit, bit woeful. But hey, why don't we be positive? Um, oh, hold on. Uh, Keith, Keith, was there any uh, things you wanted to say? Uh, I mean, Valtteri's beaten Lewis on track. Uh, three times this year in terms of final p- finishing yeah. result. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good enough for him. And, you know, when it was like, okay, there's four laps left and he kind of said, oh, you know, that many. I mean, this was a guy who, whose head was checked out after 10 laps. He, he just wasn't at the races. Uh, and it's pretty depressing. I think, you know, he wants to get out of the shadow of Lewis. He, and, not be considered, a, you know, the the Barrichello of the group, but he's not as good as uh, he's not as good as Rosberg, not by a long shot. I don't think he's even as good as Button in terms of challenging mm, Hamilton nope. and actually, uh, and you know, I say that as somebody who who is fully aware that Lewis on his day was faster than Jensen, but Jensen could bring it home in the points, and you know, every once in a while he could just have one of those imperious races. Yeah, I mean, can touch Valtteri's just looking, yeah, I mean, he's lucky that Max didn't have a good race. Otherwise, he could be looking over his shoulder at the second in the championship. I think he's, he's got enough of a buffer. He's 27 points ahead. I think he'll be fine. But it's, is it good enough to be miles away from uh, Lewis, but still second? Is that good enough? Is, is that what I'm well, it's the fact that he's coming in. It's the fact that he's going to come in second, possibly third, with three races to go. Yeah, it's a uh... in the same car. I, I think it's. I think it's more that um, the races that he beat Lewis were races where Lewis got penalties. Mm. You know, he's not actually had a straight. Uh, you know, I, I think Sochi he would have got Lewis without the penalty anyway. That was the one weekend where you've gone, that was Valtteri's weekend. He was the quickest there. He had an amazing pace. Austria, the first race, Lewis sived his eight-second lead in about six laps or whatever. He was off the pace, but I don't say got lucky. Lewis got the penalty for something he did. So it's not got lucky. He just, he didn't have it on pace. Um, And then in uh, Monza, Lewis had that crazy penalty and we know what happened from there. And actually, Bottas was nowhere in that race. Um... You know, on a day that Lewis finishes eighth, you've got to be winning, haven't you? And coming six wasn't the one, or whatever it was. Um, fourth and six, whatever, whatever it was. Yeah, it was. And today was fourteenth. I mean, I think in Monza. Oh yeah, today Monza, was fourteenth. Yeah, yeah. It was just. But I think we should come on to Lewis. Um, yeah. We've not said much about him, even though he's just sealed seven world titles. Um, well, this and, is the point. Like, let's just circle jerk and fanboy well, as much as we can now in, this, in my Mercedes T-shirt. <laughs> I just think this, this race was phenomenal from him. You know, like him or hate him, that race, there's nothing you can... I mean, he, he didn't have... That car wasn't the quickest on that day. He had no right of winning that race. And I'm saying that in the nicest possible way. You know, he was a full pit stop behind Stroll at one point. 
He spun off on the first lap, didn't he? Where he went off. He looked like he had no pace. He got stuck behind Vettel for ages. And you think, this is just isn't his weekend. He'll come, you know, he probably, he's going to seal the championship, but probably crossing a line in like fifth place or something. And then suddenly you just think, hang on a minute. Is he on for the win here? And then he overtakes Perez and then gets to the point where you're like, but well, he's building such a gap, actually. If he comes back out, he's, he's still on for a win. And suddenly it was such a race of swingy margins where one minute you're 30 seconds behind someone and then like, you know, then you're ahead of them. He won the race by 30 seconds in the end. That's a massive margin. But if there's any way you want to seal your world title and your seventh one at that, that is the way to do it. Because he was absolutely nowhere for the first half of the race. But I say nowhere, going back on what I've just said, he's always the kind of driver that if there's any sniff of it, he's going to give it a go. Like if there's any sniff of a podium, Perez is there and he'll convert it. And Lewis just never really gives up. And, you know, we, we, we've seen this before, you know, Hockenheim 2018, where again, he looked nowhere and suddenly just kind of brought it home. But this really was a, this really was a crazy race. It, it, and um, the way he kept the Inters in the end, it was the tile masters, wasn't it? That really got the best out of this race. You know, Lewis uh, and uh, Perez had an amazing race. And even drivers like Ocon, Kvyat, who got in their tires, really long stints on Inters that Kvyat and Ocon didn't get their rewards for it. But, um, yeah, it's just an incredible. It, it didn't look anywhere, did he? It just didn't look like it was going to happen. And what was really mad for me at this race, if you told me, oh, it's going to be a really crazy race, one of the best ones, Lewis wins, I'll go, well, it's not then, is it? Because he's, you know, <laughs> Lewis has won. That isn't one of the best races of the ages. That's a boring race. But I came from the end of it and went, can't knock that. I can't yeah. knock this race. It was just awesome. There was so much unpredictability, even if the result in first was as predictable as it gets in F1 these days. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think that enough emphasis has been put on the fact that once the inters became you know, quasi-slicks, the track was dry enough where the, the performance benefits of being in a Mercedes started to pay dividends. Mm. I, you know, I, it wasn't just a case that Lewis was just that much more imperious than everybody else. It's just the case. I think there's a lot of it comes down to he is still in the class car of the field. He was able to make those tyres work better than anybody else, and that's you know to his absolute credit. But eventually, there is that point where the you know the the track starts to dry enough to the point where it's not just a case of oh it's a, it's an even playing field because the track's so slippery. Once it started to get a bit of grip being in the best car of the grid on the grid really does actually push you forward. So I think that, uh, you know, come the halfway point of the Grand Prix, you can see the performance benefit of the Mercedes start to shine through. Having said that, you need a driver to be in that position and that's where Lewis just excelled. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, we all make jokes about, you know, we're going, oh, my tires have gone Bono and then, you know, 50 laps later, get in there, Lewis. But this felt like that. It's just one of those, well, eventually Lewis and Sergio are going to have to stop because there's only so much you can do on that tyre, right? And then it just doesn't happen. And then it doesn't happen. And to the point where they were even going to do a safety stop and he went, nope, I remember China. I ain't doing that, which I thought was quite funny, actually. It was almost like a nice little throwback to, yeah. well, <laughs> seven, seven championships later, I've learnt my lesson. It was quite a nice little bow to tie up his seventh championship. Uh I mean, it was a staggering achievement of a race. Uh, and yet, at the beginning, I, yeah, no doubt about it, the Merck was probably about the third 
at best fastest car at the beginning. Uh, he was stuck behind Vettel on pace, couldn't do anything, was talking about having alternate strategies. Uh, and then by the end of it, totally imperious, could have, you know, could have put his feet up, could have had a cigar and watched the best of Lewis Hamilton DVD and then still crossed the track in first. Yeah, he's, uh, he's something special and it sounds like he wants to come back for next season. I imagine that behind the scenes they're feverishly working on it. But uh, yeah, it, that contract is still not signed. It's... I think it'll be a one-seasoner. I don't think they want it, but I think they'll do it. And they'll do that one last season and then he'll he'll hang his boots up. I don't think he'll have a stomach for new regs. I think he'll just think, why am I going to do this? Um, when he can just finish on a high, um, which as would, would probably happen next year. Um, I, I agree as well. I think when the track did rubber in, obviously that was, was going to play to the Mercs' strengths as well. But um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, for... For me, it's um, it's just everything which I love about just watching him race. Like, as you said, like, no matter how far down he is the grid, no matter, you know, whatever happens. And let's not forget, you know, this was on the same track where in, in GP2 in the day, you know, he went from, what, 14th to second, second place yeah. in a sprint race. Yeah, you know? that, was in, uh, that was in Turkey, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that was this circuit. race. That, that was this circuit. So that's that's when he announced himself fully to the world. Like, look yeah. at me, and and people were going watching on the the screen, going, "This this kid's something else. Like, this is ridiculous." Yeah, amazing race. No, watch it it's... if you ever get a chance. Go on YouTube and watch the Turkey uh, GP2 race from 2006 because you'll see what he's all yeah. about. There, it's ridiculous. I think, I've, I, I think I've watched that a couple of times to be honest. It's, it's so good. It was uh, it was reminiscent of Schumacher chasing down a Lacey. Just watching somebody look like they are just so much faster than everybody else. It's crazy, it's yeah. an episode of Speed Racer. Where yeah. like that Mark V just like weaves through absolutely everything else and it's just like, hang on, wait, what, who's this guy? Yeah. It's, uh, it's something to behold. I will say this, though. Um, as much as everybody goes, you know, 2008 was his greatest championship win. Do you guys prefer this race to that one? What, so, do you mean 2008 Silverstone to this? No, no, no. So no, in Brazil, when it's like, oh, is that Glock? And then he moves out of the way. Because oh. a lot I of mean, people go, oh, you know, that's that. But like, that'll be the Lewis Hamilton, you know, championship win. That'll always be the greatest. But I feel this is equal, just watching. Um, I think that because as a moment, that 2008 mm. one's bigger. I think as a race, this is a huge moment. Um, ironically, I think 2008 wasn't his best season um wasn't a great season for him he did well um and i think the ferrari was a, was quicker um but they were lucky that no offense you know massa was in there and raikkonen who was kind of not all there anymore i think even though you know he'd won in 2007 i think that was raikkonen not quite his best anymore um but i think this is certainly his most accomplished championship i feel there have been very few weaknesses this year that you've seen, you know, even in Silverstone where he didn't win, that car wasn't on the pace and, and was struggling and he still came second to beat, you know, Bottas and still had a great race, uh, really. Uh, Monza was silly to get done by that penalty, but he was going to dominate there without that silly mistake, which is his mistake. You know, he didn't see the board, so I totally accept that, but he's, it's, it's all been very little tiny mistakes if they've been there and that's what makes him look industry. You know, he's he used to make a lot of sort of hot-headed rash mistakes and that's what made him weak. Um, it's kind of how Rosberg got him in 2006. A lot of that was reliability, but also 
Lewis just let Rosberg get in his head, but he seems to just have very few, you know, races, even in like 17, a bit in 18, he'd have the odd race where he just wasn't there. Like Sochi 2017, China 2018. Like he's just not there for some reason. He's massively off the pace. He just hasn't had a race up this season. I think every, every race this season, he's been on the pace. Um, and he, well, he's won 10 of them. So that says it all really. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I couldn't agree more. 2008, that moment, that race, you know, that ending was, you know, that's iconic. It, it, will we ever have a championship decided in such an unbelievably dramatic fashion as that? It's, it's near impossible to replicate that. So in terms of, you know, our moment, yeah, nothing will top that. Well, nothing in Lewis's career for certain. But yeah, in terms of dominance, in terms of racecraft, in terms of being the clear, you know, tippy top guy in the field, this is this year has got to be his most accomplished year, which mm. makes, you know, running it back for next year make all the sense in the world. Yeah, maybe he doesn't want to do it much longer, but there's no reason why he can't come back next year and just continue this domination. He's not. Yeah. I seen. I don't see Bottas challenging him for a sustained no. championship long haul. Yeah, he'll get the occasional, you know, uh, pole position. He'll get the occasional win. But you know, can he beat Lewis over a season? There's nothing to suggest that he can. Uh, yeah, an unbelievable performance from Lewis this weekend. An unbelievable performance all season to the point where it became the exception when he didn't win or even dominate it. It was, uh, I mean, he, he won a race on three wheels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What else do we need now? What's next? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been it's a crazy, been... crazy season. I don't want it to turn into a Lewis show. Cause I know, you know, that it's, it, it's easy to go on about it, but this, this has definitely been his most accomplished season. Have you and... said that though? Has there ever been a season which has been dominated so much by one driver and has yet been so enjoyable? I I can't think of the one because this season really has been. There's been so much unpredictability and a lot of great action throughout the field, um, despite having that constant challenge to the driver at the front, which has been interesting because usually that's not the case. Mm. Um, hmm, I'm really struggling to think of anything. I mean, 12, 12 out of the 21 drivers this year have been on the podium. Yeah, which yeah, is that's a lot. great, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I can't really think. I mean... I can't Maybe. think of any. I mean, my short 90. time in F1, other than 2009 when JB won, but but that was very sort of first half JB, second half Seb. So he didn't dominate yeah, the whole still, season, did he? He didn't. He didn't dominate the whole season. No. Um, I, th I suppose like 92 was a pretty good season, and Mansell <laughs> the year I was born. dominated that. Mansell absolutely dominated that season. Like that car was leagues ahead of anything else. But there were some good three races. Maybe 93, again, Prost was the class of that season. But there was the odd race where Senna would do something cool, like Donington. or it, There were some good races there. The cars were awesome as well. But, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to think, Keith, actually. I don't think there is one. Nothing's, nothing's yeah, coming I, up to the front of my mind. I don't remember any of the Schumacher you know, Ferrari years, seasons being that exciting. I mean, no. No. no because, 2003, you know, but he didn't dominate that year. That's why it was so good, because he didn't dominate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget 2004 and just getting completely drunk by myself before the Australian Grand Prix and then watching it going, oh, God, it's going to be like this for 17 races. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it was. And it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, that's the, the most dominant. That in 2002 where they wrapped it, wrapped, wrapped it up in Austria that year, which is like oh, not even half, well, it was like half the season, wasn't it? It was 
crazy. But uh, yeah, it's been a really enjoyable season. I just hope next year that 10% does something. I don't know what, and we get a little bit more. If we can get Ferrari up there a little bit. I think you've hit the nail on the head. If we can get Ferrari up there, that'll make the championship. And and I hope because just... uh, I, I hope that they do because all of the updates they bought this year have worked. And that was the biggest issue yeah. last year. Last year, yeah. they would put parts on cars and they just wouldn't work. Um, and I've said this before, Mattia Bonotta, even though I don't think he's the best team principal, he is an amazing car engineer. Um, and the fact that Ferrari have let him just like, yep, you cannot turn up to this race, just work on next year. Like, like please, just please, Ferrari. And do not cheat. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I agree I think we get them near the front do it, do it nice and cleanly get Max in there that's always going to surprise and, things and even and even hopefully Aston you know like yeah. have you know it's I mean 2022 should be a lot closer but I think if they've just artificially made it so all cars are the same I think you'll get a novelty season where it's awesome uh, and then it will wear off I think things that are artificial they, they do wear off um, and it's all things other than just racing, but I won't go into that. But anyway, yeah, uh, I suppose the, the last thing I kind of wanted to cover really was like, you know, I want to come back to Russell's comment of this isn't F1. What do you guys think? Did you think that was F1 this weekend or did you not think that was real F1? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, me too. Oh, I thought that God. was exactly I mean, what F1's all about. I think it's one of those just like treat races, you know, like it, a yeah. little bit. I, I always go back to like Germany last year where it's like, okay. We're going to give you something a little bit crazy, you know. We're going to shake it up just, be, you know. And yes, wet. It it was a perfect storm of like wet weather and a brand new surface, and you know, lots of drivers who'd never driven on it before. I mean, I found I found out an incredible stat that the three drivers that finished on the podium for this race were the only three drivers to drive in the last Turkish Grand Prix in 2011, which is just that's mad. That's <laughs> crazy stat. The planets aligning, isn't it? Uh. I think it's great. Uh, I think it's great racing. I think it's great fun. It's it's F one to me. Uh, it you know it's still a sh- it, it's a sport yes, but it's also a show. Mm. You know, people have to be invested. I mean, I've done a little bit of research for a special coming up where we're talking about viewing habits and figures of F one and you know TV distribution and such. And it is still at its core a business. It's a show business. You know, you need people to be invested in it and to watch it and enjoy it. Because every Monday, because everyone at work knows I'm a big F1 fan. And every Monday I go into work and they go, was there a race this weekend? Yes. Was it any good? Because they, they don't know. And they'll say, was it a good one, was it? And if it's great, they can tell. Because I'll be like, oh, it was so good. It was brilliant. And, uh, you know, and it was a good one. And you go, no, no, not this week. <laughs> So, and, you know, sometimes you say no, but when it's great, it's great. And you can leave a race feeling a thousand bucks. Like, I, yeah. I, uh, after the race, it was like midday and I was like, I feel great. I really want to, you know, I really want to go do something. I just, I just had all this great positive energy having watched a great Grand Prix. And that's, you know, and if you feel that way after watching a race, that's F1. Yeah, that's a really nice way of putting it. I agree. I felt exactly the same. And there was something really weird, actually, that the night before... Like I kind of, I, I still obviously get excited for an F1 race. It's, it's not, not always the same when the season can be the way it is, but, but there was something about this race. I was going to bed, I was like, I'm really excited for waking up tomorrow, you know, a bit earlier, getting my brekkie in and then watching this race. I'm like, I feel like something really special is going to happen here. 
and it did not disappoint at all. It was brilliant. And like you said, it made you feel great for the rest of the day. And uh, my wife uh, hates F1. She doesn't care about it. I don't bring it up. I don't talk about it. But this weekend, I couldn't help but go, honestly, this race was amazing. It was so cool. It's so one of those things where you just wanted to talk about it. So, uh, yeah, you're right. It was a good race. Let's hope we get some more before the season is out. We've got three left. And um, probably leaves us so, with our predictions, right? Yeah. So on that, we've got the Bahrain Outer Circuit, which I am super hyped for because it's literally an oval. Like it's, it's well, sort of a squared oval. So um, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? it it's weird. To see. And the thing which I've learned about this season is whenever they race on tracks, they've not raced them before. They've generally been much more entertaining tracks. Yeah. Um, and, and races. So, and I'm, I'm literally hoping that all the teams turn up, which is no real win. I'm like, yes. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, so really looking forward to that. And then we've got the main circuit um, afterwards and then off yep. to Dubai after that. But anyway, uh, race predictions. Uh, Jake, yours. So I think Lewis has learned that when he's won the championship to not let his foot off the gas. He did that in 2015. Rosberg went on a three, run of three wins and a lot of people pretty much, you know, it's quite unanimous. That's, that was the foundation of his 2016 title. So I don't think he's going to go AWOL the next three races. He will be there. I just feel like surely he's going to want a little break. Uh, so I'm going to say, I just couldn't decide on this one. It feels like it's going to be crazy. It's going to be track surface that isn't used a lot because it's the outer rim. It's going to be dusty because it's the middle of the desert. It's low grip. Uh, so I don't think Merck will like it that much. So I'm feeling like Max could take this one. He's going to be so riled up after this weekend. I feel he'll turn it around. Lewis, he's always there. So I'm going to say he's probably second. Perez, I'm putting third. Why is that? Not just because he was on the podium today, but he's really battling. I think he really wants to be in that shot window. And I can just feel like he's going to go run a race where he really says, come on, come and get me, Red Bull. Um, I don't think they'll take him, but I think he'll be uh, trying to do that. Yeah, massive shame. Uh, Keith, you? Uh, I'm going uh, Lewis and Valtteri because I think it's a power circuit. And I think that they've still got the most powerful engine on the grid. Uh, and I think... I think Sergio is a pretty good shout as well because, yeah, you know, I think the racing points will be really strong there. And, uh, yeah, like you say, Sergio's got to put himself in the window. And with his experience on driving on, uh, you know, I'm not saying driving on dusty tracks, but he certainly is the tyre whisperer. And I feel like he can, you know, that would be really important in this one. So I think, yeah, I think that's definitely uh, one for Sergio. And he's fighting for fourth in the championship. And... Yeah, and on this uh, on this rec rate, I think he'll get it as well. Uh, I'm going to go with Lewis, Bottas, uh, Max. I'm going to be very simple and easy just because, I mean, yeah, it's just what we've seen all season. I would love Perez to get up there. I think if he can get onto the podium at the next three races, oh, my God. Um, but then I know he's just not like Red Bull. I'm going to sign him. Like, I think no, they're not. Because if they're going to take another driver, they'll take Hulk. So yeah, it's just well, it's it's not that. I just feel like like so so with the Lewis situation, I can understand how that can get signed on the off season. But with the Red Bull situation, I was like, if this is going to happen, this would have happened during the, the, this past week. Um, I think it's too late. But anyway, um, so uh, do follow us on our social. So at Glowing Breaks, uh, the Glowing Breaks on Twitter. Uh, and we will see you guys for the next one. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Thank you.